The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bethanelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Joanne Mercier. Hi, Joanne. Hi, Dom. Hi, Father Corey. Hi, everybody. And hi, Father Corey. How's it going, both of you? Very well. Father Corey Stika, of course. I, I, I got that mixed up. Got him back. No, the other, the other Father Corey <laughs> that's involved with SQPN. Yes. Yeah, the, oh, the, gee. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh... We're back together again to talk about technology, the technology news. And one of the biggest topics in technology right now is this topic of the of how big is big tech? Is big tech too big? And should it be broken up? Should it be regulated? And what's interesting about this is that it has become a rare point of agreement on both sides of the political aisle. Both uh, Republicans, <laughs> Democrats, conservatives and liberals are all talking about the problem of big technology. And when, when they're in agreement, you know there's a, there's a potential problem here. It is funny, though, because they're, they're, they're in agreement that tech is big, but it's because of the other guys that are involved. <laughs> right, right. It's because they're too liberal or they're too conservative and that, all that sort of thing. Yep. So what are the, I want to approach this topic, uh, discuss this topic. I, I don't want to make it a political discussion, of course. I think all oh, the three of us are, are in general political agreement anyway. But uh, it's not. This isn't really about uh, p- political leaning. Like I said, this is a bipartisan issue. Uh, we we can bring it up, you know, the different points of view. But we're not we're not pushing a, a particular point of view. But one of the things that that has come up is this uh, this idea that big tech has gotten too big, too powerful, with too much control over society. And so what is that? What does that mean? What is it? What are the ramifications for us? What are the pros and cons of these big tech companies? Uh, one of the things that's come up is this ability of and this, the first part that I want to kind of talk about is the ability of tech companies to force their virtues. And I put virtues in air quotes. I'm, I'm making air quotes right now with my fingers uh, to force their virtues on the rest of us. Uh, they, for example, you know, whether uh, Google employees who are morally opposed to the company uh, being involved with the military or morally opposed to Amazon uh, doing business with fossil fuel companies or things like having to do with uh, social issues, whether it's uh, family or sexuality or uh, reproductive issues, you know, uh, the morality of abortion and, and these other issues. When the company's leaders or enough of their employees have a particular point of view that they can push this on us. Uh, against our will. They're not elected, but they wield incredible power to force their beliefs on the rest of us by the way that they enforce their speech codes. For example, on Facebook, what they allow you to post, or Amazon, what things they allow to be sold, or Google, how they shape search. So let's talk about that part first, this part of their their ability to force their virtues. What is the the danger, and are are we overstating it? Uh, by putting it that way. What do you think, Father Corey? You know, I I, I struggle a little bit about this because I'm very much uh, of the, you know, free market capitalist type of ideals of, you know, if you don't like Facebook, don't use it. If you don't like YouTube, don't use it. 
But that being said, there are a lot of people on these networks and there are a lot of people whose voices aren't being heard uh, because of these issues. And again, it, this is this is nothing to do with being left or right, conservative or liberal, uh, pro-life, pro-choice, whatever split you want to use. Uh, because, OK, so today there's one group that is being isolated by Facebook. But tomorrow, the, the idea, popular ideas could change and what, what is seen as acceptable could change. And all of a sudden now, the people who are riding high with Facebook and YouTube and so on, they could find themselves on the outs really quick. And I don't think people calling for censorship really realize that. And yes, I know it's not strictly censorship because that's government, but there is corporate censorship. The corporation is censoring certain voices um, and, and they'll, they'll say, well, it's extremism. But are these legitimately extreme views or are they just views that are currently out of fashion? Or some views are extreme and should and aren't acceptable in a public square. But where is the line get drawn on what is unacceptable mm -hmm. and unacceptable? There's it's, it's a continuum as opposed to a bright point, but they have to draw that bright point. You know, one of the things you, you mentioned is, is if you don't like it, don't use it. But, you know, Joanne, maybe it's the case now that we're in a situation where if you aren't on Facebook or you aren't in Google or you aren't on one of these platforms, for all intents and purposes, you're not in the public square. You don't exist for and that's becoming increasingly true as the next generation mm -hmm. rises up who live in these places uh, and they aren't in the, the you know, in the real world as much as uh, as we used to be. What do you think of that? Well, it's interesting that you use the phrase the real world, because I'm wondering what is the real world anymore? <laughs> right. Is the, is the real world <laughs> online or is the real world where flesh meets flesh, you know, in the marketplace? I mean, I, I'm not quite sure anymore. I'm not one who, ha who has a presence on every single social media site. I don't. I have Facebook because of because of my jobs where I've had to um, tend Facebook pages for parishes. And I have a a, a um, podcast and a dormant podcast that I have a Facebook page for, but that's it. I stopped using Twitter, even though I have still have a, a handle there and a presence. I, mm -hmm. I'm not on Pinterest. I'm not on Instagram. You can call me a dinosaur. And maybe that's why I look a little bit. I, I kind of agree with you, Father Corey, because I'm sitting here going, if I don't like it, I'm not going to use it. If I could get off Facebook, I mm -hmm. actually would. I think they will too much influence over the young, especially. Right. And I think that I look at the whole thing about big tech and I remember back to, I can remember this, where the phone company was big tech. It owned everything. Oh, yes. And then when it's bell, bell had to be broken up. Yeah, but did it because now that it yeah. got broken up, it sort of tried to find its way back to each other right. and yep. they're reattaching each other themselves. I'm wondering if the same thing will happen here. If we break up the likes of Apple or Google or Facebook, are they in some mm -hmm. way going to find themselves reattaching themselves and maybe not in a good way? I, I don't know right. what the answer is. And does is. the old version of breaking up, whereas we, we, we cut them up into separate corporate entities with, with you know their own boards mm -hmm. and that sort of thing, does that change anything? It does, because the mindset is what's at issue here. The mindset of not just of the corporate overlords, the, the executives, but right. even just of the employees and the managers and the people in the trenches who have a, a unified mindset in some cases uh, of, of doing things that aren't necessarily you know, written down in a corporate policy statement. You know, if you break up Facebook, and I'm not sure, and I'm not sure how, that, how that works, like what does Facebook become? Because mm -hmm. 
okay, you could break off WhatsApp and Instagram and Facebook into three separate entities, but how does that change Facebook itself? Do you break it up into the ad part and the not ad part? Like it just doesn't. uh, So there's a couple issues here. One of them is, are we trying, are, are these politicians who are talking about breaking up these companies still thinking of them, these companies, the way we thought of antitrust and, and physical corporations 50 years ago when Ma Bell got broke up or 40 mm-hmm. years ago, uh, w- which doesn't really apply to modern day electronic companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so is, so is, it's backward thinking, but even, you know, what does it mean to break them up? What is the goal of breaking them up going to be? What is it, you know, what, do, or do we just, as opposed to breaking them up, like that, and it's one of the things like Elizabeth Warren has suggested, or we regulate them like utilities, but then what does well, that look like? How do we, how do we regulate that, them in, in a way that, that fixes it? Because I think that's the bigger question. And I know, I know that's the question that's been asked for about 15, 20 years with a lot of these uh, internet sites like YouTube, especially Facebook. You know, they, they, they kind of want to have their cake and eat it too, where they say, we're just a platform. We don't actually produce the content. We have nothing to do with the content, so you can't sue us over the content. And yet they want to be able to control the content on their platform, you know, and part of that is is because when they started doing that, then the then unacceptable content started proliferating, including bad things like terrorists uh, coordinating terrorist action with each Mm -hmm. other and that sort of stuff. So so this bad content started proliferating. And then we said through our politicians, oh, no, you can't just call yourself uh, a, a a conduit. You are a safe harbor, and you have to regulate what shows up there. Exactly, and that that's they don't they don't what they what they, I know what they're trying to avoid these these uh, tech companies. They don't want to become like the telephone companies where it's very restricted of what they can do. A telephone company cannot yank your phone line because you made a a phone call to a terrorist. Right. Right. They cannot do that. They cannot touch it. They can't hang up your phone call if you're calling a terrorist. You can't, you know, they can't do anything about it. But they're also so highly regulated on exactly what they can do. And that's what the tech companies don't want. Facebook doesn't want to wake up tomorrow and find all of a sudden they're being treated like AT&T. And they have to do X, Y, and Z. And they have to ensure A, B, and C. And oh, by the way, if you're going to charge anything, you have to charge this much and, and, and. That's what they're trying to avoid. Well, and then, so we, we have the social media problem. Then we have a, a related issue with a company like Amazon, which has grown so mm-hmm. big that it's essentially become, in, in many ways, e-commerce itself. It is, it is, it's, it's, it does, I forget what the number is. I, I had it in my head, uh, but it does some enormous percentage of all online sales online, not just directly from their own warehouses, but they're also, they're also a marketplace. Now, I could see uh, an antitrust action coming in and saying, all right, you need to separate your third-party marketplace stuff from your, your selling it directly stuff. And that, that could be okay. But- and I think that would be fair because I know in the case of my husband, he always has to keep asking me, is this from Amazon itself or is this from a third party? It's unclear to a lot of people where they're getting it from. They're saying, I'm getting it from Amazon. But are you really? And is the third party, you know, is the third party going to uphold? They should uphold what Amazon, the policies of Amazon. But sometimes, I mean, the stuff we've gotten from third parties has been less than mm-hmm. uh, quality. Yes. Well, and of course, you throw the, the 
they've got like three tiers where you've got Amazon provides it, Amazon sells it. You've got another company sells it, but Amazon is actually providing it. And then you've got the other company both selling and providing. Yeah. Shipping you know? directly it, from it's, them. Yeah. And it, well, and, and then of course on top of this, and I know one of the articles you linked to Dom was about the, uh, how Amazon web services is increasing, increasingly being used by the fossil fuel industry, coal, natural gas, gasoline, things like that, uh, that, their employees are upset about that. Now, mind you, I wonder how many of their employees drove to work or rode on a bus or a train that was powered by fossil fuels, but that's just me. Or an electric um, car that was charged by fossil fuels. We've talked about that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, it's, it's, I can understand the concern about the environment, but to say that big, because big oil is using Amazon web services, they don't have a care for the environment. That's a bunch of bunk. I mean, I'm sorry, you know, that, that's an interesting. So a couple of interesting points. Amazon is more than just a store. Amazon's web services runs a significant portion of the whole internet of all all the services used run through Amazon service. But there's an actually an interesting an interesting question there is how much, and this is more of a, almost even a, a bigger question than just high tech. How much should companies be involved in in pushing particular morality or points of view or virtues or however you want to put it? through the way they do business and who they choose to do business with. Well, I was going to say my next, my biggest question with all of the reading that you gave us was how all of a sudden are these employees, it's almost like the tail wagging the dog. All of a sudden the employees have a voice. I was always taught if you don't work for a company that you don't, you wouldn't want to work for, find a company that you would feel comfortable working for, you know, or a group of people. I don't understand why all of a sudden employees are saying, well, now you have to change the way you do business. Well, that raises another interesting point. These all things are, it's a complex issue and all connected. And that raises an interesting point of the way people think about wh where they work and who they work for today. In the past, especially for those of us of our generation, uh, Father Corey, a little differently, I guess, for, for you, but we, but, uh, although in the past, perhaps. You know, we worked for a company. We went to work, got a paycheck, went home, and maybe we had some corporate loyalty or, you know, employee-employer loyalty of some sort. But now, especially in high tech, uh, partly because uh, the demand for qualified, talented engineers and other people is so high uh, that, that there's so much recruiting, that these companies become like part of your life, like part of your family. You know, people go to work at Amazon or Google or Apple, one of these places, and it's not just the place I go nine to five. I, you, they practically live there. They have their their lawn, their their laundry, their uh, dry cleaning done there, and they have their haircut done there, and they eat like two out of their three meals a day there, and and so on and so forth. And it becomes not just the place I work, and it's encouraged. These companies encourage people to identify as I am, I am this company, and that's also part of the issue. And that's scary. When, when Google opened up their current campus, I remember there was a big push about all the, you know, the different, not just cafeterias, but actual restaurants on campus and rooms where they could go rest if they want to go take a nap. You know, they're doing an all night coding session. They want to go take a nap and recreation areas and this and that and all these things that were for, I mean, they're good things for the employees, but they were encouraging employees to basically shut off the rest of the world and become Google. Apple's done the same thing. I'm sure Facebook has done the same thing, you know, where the, the, the focus is you're going to be living, eating, breathing, sleeping, drinking Google. And there isn't a separation between work and personal life. 
uh, the, the, we use Slack as the way we organize our uh, our SQPN shows. Well, these companies have similar tools, and yet and these and and people live in them, and they create interest groups related to not not just work, but hobbies. You know, the the the, the mountain bikers group at Amazon or, or whatnot, but also uh, particular viewpoints and even political viewpoints and, and social uh, social issue viewpoints, all in a work environment, which. I thought that wasn't we would. I thought HR had. Whereas you used, used to be discouraged from doing yeah. that. You know, I, I guess I think of the companies I've worked for before I uh, became a, a priest, before I entered the seminary. If we had gotten up and told our boss, we're not going to do this because, oh, that's fine. You're not going to do that. We can find others. And it's that simple. Shut up and work. You know, and that that's not the mindset uh, kind of ro- rotating back a little bit. You know, you kind of asked about you know, these these tech companies taking these stands. And of course, that's not something unique to tech. You know, we're right in the middle of a month where every company is about falling over itself to say how important it thinks a certain kind of pride is. You know, so this isn't something you need to unique to tech, but it is kind of the culture we're in right now is. Your company can't just go and do business. Coca-Cola can't just go out there and do business. They have to show how woke they are by making sure they have rainbow colored cans this month. Things like that. Right. You know? Right. There was, in fact, um, th- there was an article uh, in, from the New York Post that I've linked to. And I don't know if you got a chance to see that uh, by uh, a columnist, F.H. Buckley, how to stop the woke social media censors. And, and he get he goes into some of the stuff about how people are getting censored from social media, from other places, because of these woke policies, these socially enlightened policies where, you know, you, you don't fit in anymore. You don't, you, your brand of humor is, is, is we used to call it uh, politically incorrect, but now even that has become uh, not quite enough to describe it. And it's, and, and you're right, there's, there was this time when you, there was a shut up and work or get a new job attitude. And maybe the, I'm going to say that probably that wasn't the way it should be. I mean, the, we should be able to be human beings and bring our humanity and our morality with us to our job. But there is a limit to how much we can expect a company to conform to us and not the other way around where we have to say, well, this isn't conformed to the way I, I see the world. So I have to make a decision. I'm not entitled to this job. So I will have to leave this job to take to to and suffer a, a, of some sort to go find a job that works for my worldview and the way I do things. And I will have to pay a price for that. But that is something I choose to do because I, my morale is important to me. Well, people, a lot of uh, uh, that's overgeneralization. Some people don't see that as something that they should have to do anymore and they think that their company should conform to a particular worldview there isn't a legitimate difference of opinion there's right and wrong and there's a worldview now which says i'm right and that everything else is wrong i mean that, that's that's a whole nother issue you can discuss too though not just again <laughs> not just with tech because i right. mean it really is that mindset of if you disagree with me on something that i think is vital you are satan incarnate it doesn't even matter if you even disagree in a slight bit. I mean, there's people that they really kind of take it to that extreme. If if I view that this particular view is something that it must be my way, this is how it must be, how dare you disagree? I was going to say, wow, what an entitled bunch we've become. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> and I guess because of my my age, 
I'm looking back at a at a world that I knew before all of this. And now I'm really mourning that because I mean, for example, to get back into the tech thing, I'm an Apple person. I am very happy in my little walled garden, but I see everything I use in technology as useful to my purpose in life, which is to spread the gospel. Okay, that's the and that's the the life I've chosen. Even as a layperson, that's what I do. So I don't get into all of any of this this other stuff. And so I don't sometimes notice that an Apple is too big or Google is doing that. I'm just using their products, the things that they've developed to further the agenda that I have, which is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I guess from their point of view, they're doing the same thing in that they have an agenda that they want to advance. They have a, a, a worldview or a point of view that they want to advance and they want to use this technology to do that. And the, the, of course, but the way they do that is different. They want to do that by having the companies enforce this through the way you can use the technology as opposed to say the, that for us, for, for me at least, I want it to have this medium just be a medium, just be the technology, be a way that conveys my voice or, or other, you know, uh, my point of view outward and people can choose to hear it, accept it, reject it. However, as opposed to, uh, you know, the technology, the, the technology can only be used a certain way. I'm not, I don't want to go out there and silence other people and remove them from the platforms because that's just a, it's a very dangerous thing. We, if we, I don't want to overstate it, but you know, there's a dystopian future in which corporations are bigger than uh, nation states, and they get to impose, a, you know, uh, borders and laws and regulations that have nothing to do with com- countries that we know today. And that's that's a that, that, that that's the 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 worry I think that a lot of people have about the about these big tech companies and why they're talking about breaking them up or regulating them. But if we do break them up, we do regulate them. What is the price we're going to pay? What is the danger in doing this? So let's talk about that quickly. What is the danger in breaking up or or at least regulating these companies more than we are now? Probably the people who want to do the regulating don't know how to do it. Right. You know, that's the scary part. Is Congress going to regulate all this? We see what, <laughs> right, exactly. Well, that's, a, that's my point. You know, supposedly we still live in a free society and free enterprise is supposed to still be, you know, the thing that, that companies go for. But if you start regulating. Who writes the regulations to, too? But right, so, exactly. Not, not the, not the congressman, the, the senator, they don't sit down and write it. Uh, more, by and large, a lot of times these laws are drafted by, written by, or, you know, ghost written by. The people in the industry themselves, uh, lobbyists, lobbyists, and <laughs> and these companies are spending big money on lobbyists. Facebook, Apple, Google, Amazon have all drastically increased the amount of money they're spending on lobbyists. Well, and then there's there's always the question of who watches the Watchmen. You know, you know darn well that these people who right now are trying to force Amazon and Google and all these other tech companies to do their way. You know, the, these employees. You know, if they became regulated, they would just become the regulators. They just go jump ship over to the regulators and they'd be the ones telling Google, no, you need to censor this. Facebook, you can't let this guy be on your platform. And 
And yet in the past, when, when we've had this question, we've relied on, okay, the fourth estate watches the watchers. The the journalists, the reporters, they <laughs> they'll, they'll <laughs> dig in. And oh, even, well, even if we had reporters and journalists who were not in lockstep, you know, in lockstep intellectually with uh, these people, even if we had opposition uh, journalism, which there's still some out there, how do they get that message out? Well, by and large, it goes through Facebook and Twitter and Google. And all of these other tech companies. I can I can guarantee you the New York Times does not have a massive server farm in their basement. They're using Amazon Web Services. Right. I can right. guarantee it. If they're not using Amazon, they're using one of the other ones, Google's or whoever. But and even if, if it's on their website, how does how does anybody know that it's there? I mean, they have their own subscribers and readers, but beyond that, well, in order to, to spread a news story, it has to be posted somewhere. And in order to be posted somewhere, that place has to allow it. And we've already had instances of people pointing out we're trying to post stuff on Pinterest, for example. There's a story about how on Pinterest, pro-life groups have been shadow banned or outright listed among uh, porn sites as not acceptable content uh, by you know, the leaking of internal documents. Uh, so if if we can't even get the message out, how do we know? I mean, this is I don't I'm not a conspiracy theorist or a totalitarian big brother theorist by nature but you have to what you have to think about these things we have to worry about it a little bit uh, to 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 say we've got to be concerned i mean i keep coming back to the concerns i have about, about not breaking them up i am concerned about what the the whole issue of is there do we pay a price if we do break them up or if we do you know there's certainly a price in innovation right if we if we if we break up uh Apple, if we break up Google or, you know, then we say you you can't, you know, Facebook, you can't have us, uh, th this whole site be one thing. It has to be two different things. That puts a crimp in our ability to, like, one of the reasons we like these things is because they work together seamlessly. You know, so there's a, there's a price that we have to be willing to pay for this, a goal that we have, right? Or, 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 or is there another solution? If there's another solution, I can't think of it right now. <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the thing I keep kind of coming back to, though, at least like, you know, and Facebook is always one of the big five. But how many stories do we read about how Facebook, its average age is getting older? You know, so face, people are already moving past Facebook. You know, we, we, I mean, Facebook is still it's still the, the, the 800 pound gorilla in the room. Don't get me wrong. It's still huge. Where have they and gone? It's still influential. That's the question. They've gone to They're in, going, yeah, Instagram. And who owns Instagram? Some of them, Some but of there's them. others as well. Snapchat and things like that, too. I'm, yeah. if, if I knew where they were at, I'd be there because I'd rather be with the younger ones. Than well, with some, no, I'm kidding. So, well, yeah. Hey. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Snapchat. This, well, that's actually a good point. Snapchat was the darling of the, of the younger set. It still is in a large uh, uh, sense, but it has kind of been overshadowed because Instagram has come along and sucked up some of its best features as, as the user point of view with like Instagram stories. But it also, Instagram is in in large by and large become it's much less political space, much less topical space because it's about photos and shopping and that sort of uh, food. food and that sort of things. So, I mean, it's <laughs> sometimes shallower, but 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 at least less uh, charged uh, environment, shall we say? Uh, so there are that a lot of young people have gone there, but who who owns Instagram? Facebook does so. They're not so concerned about people moving from Facebook to Instagram because 
they, you know, that's just the left hand to the right hand. Uh, you know, I know people who have moved to to Miwi or Mayway or whatever, however you pronounce it. I, I don't know. I've never heard it said by someone from the company, which is a sort of free ad free version of Facebook, uh, which looks similar. It's it's a little 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 different, but it's similar. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but you know, frankly, the problem with with giving up a Facebook or a Twitter or or YouTube is, well, that's where everybody is. And so, unless everybody moves, you're leaving everybody behind. And so, you are you the you, you could be the first one to go, but it's going to be awfully quiet until everybody joins you if they ever do. But who is your everybody? I mean, for me, it's folks. I have a lot of professional contacts and they're on Facebook. We have private Facebook groups and that's where we congregate. Um, they're, you know, the general people in Facebook, I pretty much ignore for the most part. So it's where your people are. You go wherever your people are. Uh, honestly, if, if I could get everybody that, you know, into a Slack group, uh, team, I would, and there would be a nice private, you know, uh, Slack uh, team. But I also, I mean, both my wife and I, we, we have a very large, diverse group of friends of people we went to school with, at college, high school, neighbors, family, uh, across all kinds of barriers. And, and there's that danger of if I limit that to just family or just people who I go to church with, I'm sort of limiting my worldview as well. And I'm, I'm not I'm being less open to other points of view and less. I mean, I'm, so we, we're, we become ever more siloed and, and I'm afraid of that. I like I want a big open town square where everybody can talk. Everybody can, you know, I can ignore anybody I want to. I could mute people. I could even block people. But that where everybody is. And that would be the ideal. That's that's the way it was supposed to be. But we've we've lost that. Is that the irony of Facebook and Twitter? Because that was their promises. Their promise was, you know, you could hear all kinds of views, but it's pretty well turned into the silos. It's pretty well turned into the, you know, block them off. And if I don't agree, I'm going to. I'm going to I'm going to block you. I'm not going to listen to what you have to say anymore. You know, it, it's it's kind of that's kind of the irony we've fallen into is we do that already anyways. Right. Uh, and the, then the question is, does this solution make the problem worse or does it make it better? And that's what the one thing that concerns me is, is we need we need to whatever we do needs to be improving the situation and not making it worse. Uh, one of the other you know, bits that comes up is it's not just social media or uh, shopping like through Amazon or even uh, search, which is a whole nother issue. But things like app stores, you know, who gets to say we and we've talked about this in the past, uh, but who gets to say what uh, apps get get you know allowed in different stores? You know, Apple has very strict rules about their store, what can go in and what can't. Um, some of it's good. They don't allow porn. They don't allow um, you hate stuff. I mean, it's, it's a very uh, curated walled garden, the App Store. However, that does limit things. Uh, PBS uh, just came out, I think it was today or yesterday, saying that their app, with the new App Store rules about what the data they can collect from young people may force some of their PBS Kids app out of the App Store uh, because they need that analytics, they say. Uh, whereas with Google, they have you know, with Android, it's a it's much more wide open. You can sideload apps and that sort of thing. Uh, but uh, you know, even then, there's still talk about uh, regulating uh, the uh, Apple and Google's app stores and whether there's it should be antitrust uh, regulations on them. What do you think about about the app store uh, issue 
and antitrust issues. You know, again, I, I look at it from uh, from the Android standpoint of, you know, yeah, if I don't, as a matter of fact, I just saw it today and I don't remember the name of it, but there's there's an alternative app store that has a lot of the same apps, including stuff like Facebook and Twitter and all that, but it's not Google's. It's not Amazon's. It's something that's completely different. And of course, yeah, it's going to be Wild West if you do that, but you can do that. Um, I have the Android or I have the uh, uh, Amazon app store on my phone. So I could pull if there is something that Google decide I shouldn't have, but Amazon says it's fine. I can, but you're still running into the same issues, you know. And and it's, uh, of course, we all come from the era when if you wanted a software package on your computer, you had to go and buy the disk, put it in your computer, install it, and run it. Or in the case of my old Commodore sixty four, you put this disk in and run it from the disk, you know. So it, the idea of an app store was like, you're joking, right? Well, I mean, there, there was an app store. It was called CompUSA or, you know, one of these other. Yeah, right. exactly. Other exactly. I mean, there, 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 some of the complaint is, this, oh, developers have to go through Apple or, or Google and give them as much as 30 percent of their app sales. And, I, and I'm thinking to myself, well, well, welcome to retail. <laughs> I mean. I mean, sure, you could, you, you could stand on a street corner and sell your stuff and not have to give the percentage. But the fact is, is, you know, the, the whole point of retail is I'm giving you a percentage of my sales because you're the one who has the relationship with my customers. Uh, and, and suddenly we want to change all that because it's digital and apps. And, and so, I, again, I have to wonder, has digital changed things so much that we need to completely rethink these relationships or are we overstating what you know, what the change needs to be for this um you know are are you know for example the government regulators are they missing the point that it's not all that different from what we already had or is someone trying to take advantage of saying oh this is different this is new now we can finally implement the things we've always wanted to do all along see i'm pretty happy with the app store and, and apple I I don't have a lot of I don't have a lot of need to go outside of it. I understand that people do. So I'm okay with that, but is it get but would it be nice to have something else while well, on my Mac for example, I can get third-party apps. So sometimes yes, I do get it. Am I trying to skirt the, you know, 30% chunk that they're taking out? Not really. Um somebody's got to make a living somehow. Again, isn't this a free market? But um, I don't know. It's I, I guess there are always going to be people who want to push a boundary, who want something more than what they have. I guess I'm just a content person. And, and I think there are a lot of people out there who are. As a power user, I wish I had on my, uh, my iPad, my iPhone, what I could do on my Mac, which is I can go to the app store or I can just go out and get an app that I know will work for me the way I want it to work. Uh, and I, you know, I don't want Apple to ever change that about the Mac, you know, adding a third party apps. However, there's also the certainty or the, the, the safety of, for my mom or my wife that if they want an app, they go to the Mac app store and they download an app from there. And it's, and I'm pretty sure that's not going to kill their computer or introduce a virus or open up their information to being sucked away by malware. You know, so. There's the what do I want personally, and then what is good for the overall community. You know, it's, it's an, in some ways it's a, it's a vac, sort of like a vaccine question, which I'm not getting into. And he'll anti-vaxxer argument here. That's another <laughs> another argument. That's a whole different podcast. Yeah, but you know that there's that idea of you. Know, I could see both sides of it, 
But what I don't want is I don't want that dictated by the developers complaining that they're not getting enough of my data. And from from my point of view, the way the Apple App Store works now is in the user's best interest more so than it is in a developer or marketer's best interest. And they're the ones who are really kind of complaining. The developers or marketers will say, well, it's better for the user if we get the data that we want. But let's be honest. <laughs> These are the same people shoveling freemium games at us too. It's sucking all our money up that way. So I don't necessarily trust them to to really have our best interest <laughs> at heart in that. True. Just remember the uproar of, about you know Facebook selling data. It's like, no kidding. That's what Facebook exists for. They are there to get your data and sell it. That's how they make money. If you're not, what's the saying? If you're not paying for it, you're the product. Right. If you, yeah. If you're not buying the product, you are the product. And that's, that was always the way with TV, for example. You know, when, when you watched over the air network television, you know, those shows were being made for the advertisers in a sense. We're, we're creating a show that will attract as many eyeballs as possible for your products. The, the show exists to show your ad. You know, and and that you know that's that's the reality, and we and we all bought bought into that contract. It was nice because then I didn't have to pay you know a, a you know HBO for a channel if you know to watch TV. I didn't have to pay you know NBC to watch TV. I could just turn on my TV. So one of the things that besides the whole uh, question of the taking the thirty percent off the top of the App Store, then there's this question of well, should Google and Apple be able to create products in their app store that compete with uh, the developers? Is it fair that Apple has uh, pages and which is free? So I'm not sure that I'm not sure that applies, but this was Elizabeth Warren's act, uh, um, uh, argument. If you if you run a platform where others come to sell, then you don't get to sell your own items on the platform. That was her argument uh, for why the app stores should be separated from their the their parent company. What do you think of that? Well, let's be honest. How many times has Apple Sherlocked somebody? And they, they just did it with Duet and, and Luna and their new um, sidecar. But they're not selling that separately. Right. It's just part of the operating it. system. Well, and I, I guess I wonder, you know, going back to how it was beef back in the old days, how is this any different than Microsoft selling Windows and Microsoft Word when there was Power or there was WordPerfect? Yes. I mean, and admittedly, and, and Word won because it actually was the more, the far superior word processor. I liked WordPerfect, but it, especially the Windows version, paled to what Microsoft Word could do, in my opinion, at least. You know, but how is this any different than, you know, okay, yeah, so you got pages on the Apple Store, but you also have Google Docs. You also have Microsoft Office 365 there. There's other options. Pages and uh, and Docs are both free, by the way, as well. Uh, and, th and that was that whole Microsoft thing actually came up back in the 90s. There was a, a Department of Justice antitrust investigation, and it came down that, you know, the the benefits outweighed the 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 the, the, the negatives. I and mean, the fact is having things integrated like that was a benefit to the user. And frankly, we're better off because I can get a high quality uh, word processor like Pages for free on my iPad or on my Mac when I want it. And if somebody wants to make a better one, I'll buy it. In fact, I, I pay for Microsoft Word because I uh, it has features that I need that and, and certainly Excel is better than numbers. And I pay for that because that's it's the better product. And, and maybe that's the way it should be working is that the free market should work that way as opposed to having 
you know, government bureaucrats come and say, you know, this isn't fair. Yeah, I I were, you know, just for example, I use word probably because more people do. Okay. And and so it's easier for me to do that. Yet I will use pages if I want to use something like like Microsoft's publisher, because it will do a lot of that stuff. Okay. And of course, if there's the, between Keynote and, and PowerPoint, I'm sorry, I'm using Keynote any day of the week <laughs> Same here. because it's, it's just that much better. So I think it should be left to the consumer as to what product fits your needs. So if it's in the, if it's in the app store and, and believe me, you can't tell me that there isn't a product in an app store that isn't going to fit your need. Well, for example, uh, I use Airmail instead of the built-in mail app because it does it better. So do I. I use Fantastical instead of the built-in calendar app. I use um, CardHop instead of the built-in context app because all of these products, uh, what was it that the the developer of PC Calc said recently? Uh, He said, when Apple does a solution, when he's Sherlock's yet, he says, that's fine. He's he's made a living making a a calculator app for 30 years. Why? Because when Apple does it, it's a 70% solution. They're just doing it for... For the majority of people who only need to make a couple things, he's a, he's a small developer who can aim at the hundred percent. That other thirty percent of people who need more, and that's enough space for someone like him. And again, you know how many how many times have you heard that the average Microsoft Word user uses literally five percent of what that software package can do? They open it up, they change some fonts, they add a graphic, they do their typing, whatever they're sending, they're writing, whatever, and they print it. They don't do anything fancy with it. They're not doing mail merge. They're not doing this, not doing that. It's very simple. You know, the average user does very simple. Well, Pages does that well. Google Docs does that well. Uh, The open source options out there does that good. Heck, uh, TextPad in uh, in Mac does that well. Right. You can do that in preview. You can do it. I mean, I, I have a half a dozen different word processing type or text editor apps on my on my computer that. For, for different reasons. I use BB Edit because it manipulates code and text and stuff. I use Ulysses because it organizes better than the others. I mean, I, it, there's a different, I use Evernote because it's a second brain and it's search and, and flipping is better. You know, I use different apps for different reasons. And if you, if you, if you took that away, I think you, you don't get, you don't think you get diversity, you get shovelware. If you take away the gates, you, you end up with, I mean, already there's a problem in some of these app stores where, in fact, Apple has been trying to clean this up, where you'll have uh, VPN apps that are really just uh, data suckers. They, they There's a hundred, you know, 100, 200 different apps that claim to be VPN. We've talked about VPNs recently on this show, uh, which the, all these programs, they aren't actually safeguarding your data. They're actually uh, 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 being nosy about it. They're, they're looking at your data as it flows through. Because because they they're all and so Apple has to you know tighten up the rules and can get rid of those and in fact they could pull those off if there's a if there's a malware they could pull it off your phone for you some people are like oh they can reach right in well yeah but it's it saves your saves your data saves, saves your bacon too you know it's that's always the there is always that opposite side though well if they can pull malware off what about other apps that they don't want that you want. You know, so a few years ago, before tethering was a a, a generally available uh, option from the likes of AT and T and Verizon, there was a tethering app on the iPhone and the App Store that uh, people were downloading and using. And and eighteen, I remember AT and T did not like that, and they pu- they had it pulled from the store. But Apple did not pull it from phones because they they said 
it's a you know while AT&T doesn't like it it is not a malware it does not break the phone it does not expose people to uh, you know and again these are people who run these these institutions and they can change their their, their outlook on life to be different people and make different policies but as it stands they've been re- doing generally the right thing in a lot of these cases it's it, this is a a, t- a tough tough issue i mean it's and as we've already talked about so far it is it ranges widely over all of technology we're not going to solve it here and it's not going to be solved in sound bites during an election year certainly uh so but i what i would encourage is that we all of us be, keep reading keep informed we'll keep talking about it here on secrets of technology and uh and we need this needs to be a part of the conversation and importantly people need to become educated about it uh especially those who are not tech heads like us so I think uh, so. We'll 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 come back to this topic in the future. So that said, let's move on to uh, something. Well, I always I always think of it as the fun part of the show, <laughs> where, <laughs> where I I either uh, look at things I want to buy that I can have right now, or things that I would uh, that I can download because they're they're free or what have you. Uh, so, uh, Father Corey, why don't you go ahead first? We're going to do our picks of the week. So, what's your first pick of the What's your pick of the week first? Well, speaking of things that Dom wants to buy, he's been sitting there <laughs> drooling over my pick this week. Yes. Because, uh, so last time I was on, I talked about having to, uh, my pick was I fix it for, because I had to replace the battery in my Mac, MacBook Pro. Well, while I was in there, I threw in a uh, SSD upgrade. I upgraded the, the hard drive, the solid state drive inside of it. And it comes from a company called Otherworld Computing, OWC. And they've been, if, you're, if you've been in Macs, you've heard of them. You know, they've been around for a long time doing upgrades for memory, for hard drives, for video cards, you name it. You know, they've been involved for a long time with the Mac upgrade world. Well, I picked up their Aurora SSD X2 upgrade kit and Aurora Pro X2. And it's their current version of the SSDs for things like my Mac Pro. I've got an early 2015 Mac Pro uh, or MacBook Pro, excuse me. I wish I had a Mac Pro. I can't afford those <laughs> MacBook Pro. Um, and it, it's they're Of course, they're simple to upgrade the, you know, literally it was, I pull the bottom off. It's right there. You unscrew a couple of screws, pop it out, put the new one in, put the bottom back on and done. Uh, the nice thing about this one, you can get it two ways. You can either get just the SSD itself, or you can get the SSD plus enclosure. You can get an external enclosure. Uh, that's you know, USB 3.3.1. Uh, so it's top of the line USB enclosure where you can put the old one in there and use it as an external hard, external hard drive, external SSD. Uh, so uh, definitely happy with it. And, you know, they, they advertise that it's going to cause a performance increase and it's not been dramatic, but I have noticed my Mac runs just a little bit faster when it's copying things from the SSD. So it uh, it definitely does what it says. Yeah, so I definitely check that out. If, you, if you've been thinking about it, you know, I had a 256 gig SSD and it was always bumping up to that. Your hard drive is almost full. Your hard drive is almost full. It's like, yes, yes, I know. Shut up. <laughs> Constantly <laughs> having to delete things. That's that's what I, yes. what I do with my laptop. Don't see that anymore because I went up to the one terabyte model. And you can get, of course, different. The more money you want to spend, the bigger the SSD you can get. I paid $350 through one of those big evil tech companies, Amazon. For the <laughs> SSD plus the enclosure, so check it out. It's worth it's worth it. I, it was a, a very good purchase, and since I already had my Mac open. Oh, and and by the way, the kit also comes with the tools you need. It comes with the screwdrivers you need to open it. That's another plus. And you can even get the uh, case 
that you can put your old SSD into it and keep using it. Yeah, that's what I was, yeah, the enclosure, yeah. Yeah, right, right. And it goes up Ooh. to two terabytes in size, which is interesting. That's nice. Wow. You got to teach me how to do this, Father Corey. Oh, it's so easy. <laughs> yeah, I mean. No, they, it really is. They have videos on their site. We'll put a link to the, I'll put a link oh, to the okay. site. Oh, uh, okay. But also, iFixit has uh, great videos as well. Yeah, and it, it literally was undo about 12, at least on mine, it was undo like 12 screws on the bottom, open it up. The SSD is right there. Another screw, pull it out, put a new one in, reverse. And it's, uh, see, the, the MacBooks, it's the late 2013 to 2015 MacBook Pros, uh, the 13 and 15 inch. They have MacBook Airs. Uh, there's a Mac Minis. So there's a couple yeah. different and models. And that's the one I linked to. It has different different models. But, of course, they've got other other versions of this for other Macs as well. Oh, right, so. right, right, right. That's right. Yeah, they have, yeah, pretty much the whole line you can get uh, solid state drives for. Even, ooh, Blackmagic cameras. Wow, this is amazing. Yeah, Max. So it's OWC, <laughs> and they're the place where you you can buy them. For, you also buy it directly from them at maxsales.com. I'll put the links to both. It, this is Dom's toy store. Oh, I have purchased things from Max Sales and OWC for many years. Uh, yes, it is very dangerous. <laughs> All right, so let's move on before I buy something. <laughs> Joanne, <laughs> save me some money. <laughs> what have you got for me? Yeah, that's my deal today is saving money rather than spending it. Um, I, a while back, we changed from the mobile company that begins with a V to T-Mobile. And it was because we were over a certain age. And it's true. T-Mobile has a very diverse, and I, I don't work for them, so let me put that disclaimer in. But they have a very diverse set of plans. They have a military one. They have all kinds of ones. But they do have one for folks over 55. And it was a significant savings. We saved, we saved about $65, $70 a month between these plans. They call it now the Magenta Unlimited 55 plan, and there's two of them. They have a, they have a, a basic plan and a premium plan. But we're talking, even the premium plan, you get, it's $45 a line for two lines, okay? And, and it's usually folks over 55, you're empty nesters, you've got just two people. Um, and it's unlimited talk, text, you know, no, no limits. You get 20 gig of mobile hotspot. Now this is important. If, if you go somewhere, this, but it's 10, it's 10 gig each phone. Okay. But that's still good when you're out and about and you, you can't get on an internet and you don't want to use a VPN. So you just hook up your, hook it up to your phone, your computer or your tablet, and you can get it from there. The, the streaming on the phones themselves is HD, um, and this plan comes with Netflix on us. Now, because I like my Netflix a little bit better, um, they only provide standard, but I, I have a little bit next tier up in, in Netflix. But I think it's a good plan because you're spending baseline, and this is without taxes, $90 a month. So Netflix on us is you, when you, you access Netflix through your phone – it doesn't count against your, your mobile data, correct? No, I believe, uh, well, I don't have it. But what I believe it is, is that you can get Netflix for yourselves, for your, for your house. You can only put two screens on it. Oh, okay, so whether it's the lowest tier. Oh, I and see. And they, they said they were doing that purposely. They were on, I guess, the middle tier. But now they've, they've dropped down to the lowest tier. But that's okay if you're looking to start, you know, if you want to save some money on Netflix. I see, yep. Here's what you do. Now that's $90 a month. If you have a, a watch like I do, it's another 
$10. If you have a, a, a 4G watch. Right. If you have a 4G watch, if you have a, a, a cellular tablet, it's another 10 But I think that the price and the service, depending on where you are, is comparable, if not as, just as good as Verizon or AT&T. Uh, we've experienced very little droppage and we and we go up north in New England and you figure up there you'd lose it. We don't. I noticed they also they you get unlimited in flight Wi-Fi on the GoGo service. If yes. you travel a Ooh, lot, cool. that would be huge too. Yeah, I think it's I think, you know, T Mobile's become like the little company that, you know, the little like the little engine that could. It's becoming that type of a company. Plus they have their their T Mobile Tuesdays and I've been saving ten cents a gallon on gas for the last three months. Wow. And and the, the thing with T-Mobile is they bought out Sprint right. earlier this year, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. So the um, problem with T-Mobile is if you live in an area that's really rural, like, say, Montana. Of course, I live where Verizon is your game and only game in town. So, And again, it, it's not for everybody, but folks over 55, I know, are looking to downsize a little bit. And this could be one way that will help them. And I've looked at the, compar- the comparable ones for Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile still is beating them and their services is, is good. So I, I would suggest that to folks who are looking to still have the perks of a, you know, of the iPhone and the Samsungs and all that, and not go to have to have to go to somebody like cellular with consumer cellular. So, you know, that, that only has a limited amount of phones. This is for folks who, you know, still like their electronics. Yeah. That's good. Which you don't want the big jitterbug one where it's the buttons are, you know. <laughs> oh, heck no. <laughs> heck no. So that, that's very good. Thank you. That's a good, that's a good pick. So my pick is, as, as it's June, it means it's a hurricane season once again, especially for those of us who live on eastern or southern coast, especially. And uh, what's, as well as still tornado season for a large section of the, uh, the interior of the country. So uh, I, I, my pick is the Red Cross has a set of uh, mobile apps, emergency apps that they make available. Uh, they have like first aid and blood donation apps like you'd expect. But they also have a, a, several disaster apps. And they have they have one sp- to, for specific disasters like tornado, hurricane, earthquake or, or flood uh, that provide both notifications and uh, information. And then there's a more in- all inclusive app that gives you that covers it all that 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 gives you notifications for everything. If you if you live in a really bad place that gets all of those things, hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes, and floods, uh, well, there's a guy named Noah who comes to your house. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, <laughs> but, exactly. <laughs> if you happen to live in Sodom and Gomorrah. Uh, so uh, one of the nice things about these apps is that they give you alerts. And so, uh, and you could set up alerts for different places. So here in New England, where most of my family live, we, you know, we, I have alerts set up for, you know, uh, whether we have a, severe weather alerts here where I live or where my sister lives in the uh, north of Boston. My other sister lives in Maine. If there's a severe weather alert in these places, I get a notification uh, of, of that. Or where my wife's family lives, where they live in Austin, Texas, or in Dallas, where they get tornado alerts, we can be alerted that something is going on in those things. In fact, the other day at dinner, we're sitting there having dinner, and all of a sudden my phone gets an air raid siren, <laughs> and we're like, oh, what's going on? Well, where my in-laws live, uh, Pat Scott, who's also on this program, is my mother-in-law. Uh, they had a tornado uh, warning where they are, and so we are able to. We, we're aware of that. There's a situation. We need to be aware of what's going on. We can check in on them later. But one of the nice things too is being Catholic. 
it's also that an opportunity to pray for them. And so the whole family stopped around dinner and we said a prayer for grandma, grandpa, and their, and their aunts and uncles who lived in that area, that they would be safe. And it's a it's a way of being mindful of others. Uh, so I have to you know su- suggest and recommend these emergency apps from the American Red Cross. And you know again, if you if you only want to be concerned about tornadoes or hurricanes or earthquakes, if say you live in California, then you can get the app for that particular disaster type, or you can get the all inclusive one that's the the emergency app. So uh, the the only downside is that occasionally I get a I get a lot of notifications for for bad thunderstorms in Texas. <laughs> and that can be, <laughs> that that can happen a lot. So you can get a little bit, uh, you have to be careful not to get a little uh, blase about it, that you have to check the, uh, when, it, when it happens. Now, I, I second you on that. I've had those Red Cross apps for years. And for those of you who are animal lovers, they also have a, a pet first aid app. So if you ever have to figure out how to supply first aid to your pet in an in an emergency situation, it's a handy little app to have. Right. If you're ever in a first aid situation in general and you're like, uh, wh- what do you do if someone has sprained an ankle and you're like hiking in the woods? Well, pull up the app and look at it. Elevate, you know, and, and all that sort of stuff. The, the information is there for you to, to check out with, uh, on the on the ground. Of course, they'll always tell you and it'll tell you right off the bat if it's an emergency situation first call 911 and then <laughs> and then check if, the if app. you happen to be someplace where you have cell coverage exactly exactly <laughs> call 911 right truly yeah. so uh those are our picks of the week so uh, before we finish out i do want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology including this week paul g stephen b lawrence s nicholas a and richard m their generous donations at sqpn.com/give Make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology in all the shows we do at StarQuest. Uh, it is really vitally important that we receive your financial support to keep doing this. Uh, it is not inexpensive to have all of these shows and to, and to provide you with the quality of coverage of things like we do here. Uh, the, we put in a lot of time and effort to do this for you. And so we really do appreciate those who give us the financial support to do this. You could join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give and check it out. We have some nice gifts that we like to give to people at different giving levels as well. You might enjoy something there. So that's it from us. What did you think of our discussion? You can let us know by visiting sqpn.com slash technology or the SQPN Facebook page, facebook.com slash Media, and leave us some feedback or send an email to technology at sqpn.com. And you can find all the relevant links, and I have lots of relevant links for today's discussion in our show notes at sqpn.com. Until next time, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. I'm glad to be here, and thank you, Dom. And Joanne Mercier, thank you as well. Thank you, Dom. Always a pleasure. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the Secrets of Technology on StarQuest. Thank you.